Scishow Tangents is brought to you by Shopify. Hank, when you started your career as <laughs> the internet science man, was opening an online store something that you were really thinking that hard about or something you thought you'd do in a billion years? I was uh, making a shop before I was the internet science man. Oh, what? That was the first thing I did. I was that first. Wow, I got to learn my Hank history. How did that go for you? <laughs> Good. I'll, here's what I'll tell you. Like the the the... The part where we start selling a thing and you get to see the number go up is so exciting. And uh, when it's just like you uh, by yourself, you got to be careful. But luckily, (laughs) Shopify has all kinds of little tools to help you with that, to help you with increasing conversions, to help you with managing orders, with customer support, with all of the stuff. Uh, Because it's a, you know. I don't know. It feels like the industry standard. And so there are all kinds of plugins that you can use to make your Shopify work for you in particular. That's right. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from vlogging in your parents' basement to treading the boards of Carnegie Hall. Now, it was my basement. It was my (laughs) basement of my own home that I was renting. (laughs) Downstairs of. (laughs) If you say so. From your first sale to your one millionth, Shopify is here to help you grow. And they've got a proven track record, my friends. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and powers entrepreneurs in 175 countries. They have, as Hank mentioned, the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And they have award-winning customer service because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tangents, all lowercase tangents. Go to shopify.com slash tangents now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S, all lowercase. Welcome to SciShow Tangents, the lightly competitive knowledge showcase starring some of the geniuses that make the YouTube series SciShow happen this week. As always, I'm joined by Stefan Chin. Hello. Are you still looking at metal bands on your computer there? Or are you done no, with that? No, I'm done. I closed all the tabs. Thanks. <laughs> I appreciate your input, though. I needed some expertise. Mm-hmm. Stefan knows a lot I about metal bands. A lot. Of metal band names. <laughs> <laughs> Stefan, what's your tagline? Brutal. Nice. (laughs) Sam Schultz is also here. Hello. Nice plaid shirt. It's the only, I have only a few shirts. This is one of them. (laughs) (laughs) How many shirts do you have? uh, Like five. You have five five shirts? How many shirts do you have? Oh, I'd say maybe 20 or 30. Okay. What's your tag on? Uh, fatality. (laughs) (laughs) Sari Riley is also here. Hello. Good green sweater. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah. this is also in the realm of... green sweaters you have? (laughs) I actually have two green sweaters. Oh, okay. Yeah, because they're both comfy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a blanket on my body. Did you do the same one? No, Uh, not the same one. uh, I have, like, a bigger one and a slightly smaller (laughs) one. Sari, what's your tagline? (laughs) Help! <laughs> <laughs> that my metal voice. Yeah. Great. That was. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give you another chance. That's the one we're sticking with. Because um, I'm in charge, and I'm Hank Green, and my tagline today is Bougainvillea. Ooh, that was what a is very that? Metal word. That was pretty it's metal. A flower. Oh. oh. 
Well, it sounded very None of you metal. know what a bougainvillea is? No, no. it sounded vague. I'm the only person in the room yeah. that knows about bougainvillea. Mm-hmm. Anyway, oh. every week here on SciShow Tangents, we all get together to try to one-up in a maze and to delight each other with science facts. We're playing for glory, but we're also keeping score and awarding Hank bucks. We do everything we can to stay on topic, but judging from our previous conversations, uh, we won't be great at that. So, if the rest of the team deems a tangent unworthy, we will force you to give up one of your Hank bucks. Now, as always, we introduce this week's topic with the traditional science poem. This from me. I like to sleep so much, it's really nice. It's warm inside my bed, and I get real mad when I'm awake instead. <laughs> But I think it's kind of weird, actually, that I spend so much time asleep. A whole unconscious life inside my head. Oh, no, no, no. I'm a sleepy man. Oh, sleepy man. I'm purging toxins from my brain. Sleepy man. If I don't do it, I will go insane. Actually, and I think it's kind of weird. Actually, yes, it's pretty freaking weird. Actually, <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> At first I was like, you're just filling up all this time with music so you don't have to have as many lines. But then it picked up. <laughs> no, my thought was no one's ever going to be able to do a poem that good. Oh. This is like a two Hank Buck kind of poem. I have and all of our poems. Whoa, 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 don't. Wait. No, no, no. no, no. Hey, now, whoa. hey, all right. Ser- I feel series, like there's a proposal yeah. on the table. <laughs> one for you, one for the guitar. I think it makes sense. Yeah. Wow, there are two voices. <laughs> <laughs> this opens the door, though. I've been thinking about a rap uh, poem. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to bring my boombox. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay. I'm in. So the topic for the day is sleep. That was so good. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So sleep, Sari, what is it? And what is it? Just what is it? It's very hard to define. Even sleep scientists have a lot of trouble defining it. Uh, I found four bullet points on a mm-hmm. medical Harvard website that says sleep is a period of reduced activity. Sleep is associated with a typical posture, such as lying down with eyes closed (laughs) in humans. (laughs) Sleep results in a decreased responsiveness to external stimuli, but there's still brain activity. And sleep is a state that is relatively easy to reverse, which Mm -hmm. distinguishes it from hibernation or coma Uh, or things like that. Other than that, Eh, what is sleep? <laughs> These are the characteristics of it. Yeah. But as far as like what's actually happening in your brain, we're not including that in the definition. Yeah, yeah. because we have no idea. Uh, I found a very good quote from a sleep scientist, William Dement, who co-discovered REM sleep mm. and mm. had spent more than 50. He spent his whole life studying sleep. He said, as far as I know, the only reason we need to sleep that is really, really solid is because we get sleepy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so am I purging toxins from my brain? Maybe, oh. yeah. Maybe Probably. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Don't look That's at me. I don't okay. know. Okay. Yeah, maybe purging toxins, maybe consolidating memory, maybe, I don't know, all kinds of things. Like giving your brain a time to reset in some way yeah. because it's not inactive. 
and during right. S- right. certain kinds, I think REM sleep, it's like even more active than you're awake mm-hmm. in some cases. Oh, yeah. And now it's time for One of our panelists has prepared three science facts for our education and enjoyment, but only one of those facts is real. The rest of us have to guess or determine through the fact that we already know things, which is the true Mm. fact. If we do, we get a Hank Buck. If we get tricked, then the presenter gets the Hank Buck. And this week, it's Sam. All right. Let me sleep on it is a common idiom, basically meaning that you'll think about something overnight and have an answer the next day. But could sleep actually help you solve problems? Mm. Science says, maybe. A 2018 study from Cardiff University proposes a theory that non-REM and REM sleep might work together to reorganize your thoughts and memories and allow you to wake up with a new perspective on things. Non-REM sleep, they say, strengthens memories and extracts patterns from context. And REM sleep creates new, seemingly random connections in your brain. And that these two things together might be the thing that makes you wake up and be like, I got it because you're just mm. thinking about stuff in a new way. But this research might be new, but many scientific breakthroughs have been attributed to particularly revelatory dreams. Mm-hmm. So which one of these was allegedly discovered in a dream? Good. I'm glad that that first thing wasn't a fact, because I was like, that's <laughs> too long. very true. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Also too long. So number one, Dmitry Mandeleev saw the periodic table assemble itself before his very eyes in a dream. Oh. He then woke up and wrote it down and found it to be pretty much basically correct. Number two, Thomas Edison had a dream where he was fishing in a stream with a bamboo pole and then woke up and decided to try bamboo as the filament for his new light bulb, which ended up being able to burn long enough to make his light bulb commercially sustainable. Or number three, Dr. James Watson had a dream where he was pulled in half by two horses and then woke up and had the idea for the double helix in his head. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'd, I'd have heard that. He talks so much. (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, was, was bamboo the filament? It, I think that, that there may have been a one. time when bamboo was the filament before tungsten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was the early filament, and it's in a it's in a vacuum, so it doesn't burn. It just like glows. Oh. Mm-hmm. And so, uh so I could see me not knowing about any of these. I could see, but like I feel like I'd know about the James Watson thing. But here I am getting myself in trouble. But I feel like Thomas Edison would totally tell that story just because, like, that's what he does, Mm -hmm. tells stories. Mm -hmm. So we've got Dmitry Mendeleev uh, dreaming of the periodic table. Uh, We've got Thomas Edison bamboo filaments after a fishing dream. And uh, we've got number three, Dr. James Watson getting torn in half by horses in an unpleasant dream, but realizing I am DNA or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that to me, the connection there is very strange, yeah. which makes me think it's true. Because mm, maybe the other ones are too neat. Yeah. Too neatly. Connected. Well, yeah, Mendeleev is, is just like, I thought of it. Yeah. But that makes me think, that makes me think that might be the real one. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That one seems the most plausible, but it also seems like the easiest one that Sam would make up. Of like, of course, blocks coming together as a periodic table. <laughs> right. Seems rude somehow. Well, I wasn't trying to dunk on you. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't be the first time you dunked on somebody today. I know. Yeah. I'm just snarky for some reason. I guess, so the thing about that one is that like Mendeleev knew a lot about chemical elements and he was thinking about yeah. like periodicity and was like, prob- like that would could be something that would actually happen in a sleeping brain. Like, oh, and you wake up and you're like, I don't even want to pee first. I got to write this down. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, shit. <clears throat> Steph and pick. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, the double helix DNA dream. Oh, I'm going to go with Mendeleev. 
I'm going to go with Mendeleev. Okay. The correct answer is Mendeleev. So he was already studying this stuff like all the time. Yeah. And he was writing a textbook and thinking about it extra hard, I guess. And then he went to bed and he said he saw the whole thing just come together. And it was just a first draft. There was things wrong with it otherwise. But like as far as it went, he said that his first draft basically came out of his head to the paper basically. Yeah. Perfect. And there were a lot of like things we didn't know. Like he didn't, like he wasn't able to put the whole table together because there were elements we hadn't discovered. Right. But he knew that those elements, some of them at least would have existed. Yeah. That's the coolest thing about the table. He's like, there's something missing here. (laughs) Yeah. Go find it. Okay. So, but also I have a confession to make that I realized as I was reading them, Stefan gets a point too. Because (laughs) my question turned out to be not correct to what the uh, what all the choices were. What? So he actually did, James Watson did discover the double helix in a dream. I miswrote the question. Oh. Uh, he discovered it in a dream, but it was a dream about walking up uh, a, a staircase with another staircase intertwining it. Yeah, also, a lot of people that's don't... That's uh, uh, yeah. call bullshit so hard on that, James <laughs> also, Watson. Also, a lot of people don't believe that. That is horseshit. <laughs> yeah. Like, that is textbook James Watson horseshit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and Thomas well, Edison, so you get a point too. Yeah, I'm thank sorry. you very much. I was misleading. <laughs> so then uh, Thomas Edison didn't have a dream, but he actually just went fishing with a bamboo pole and was like, ah, I'll use this. Oh, it was That's that. amazing. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I was in real life inspiration. Yeah. yeah, I would have been very surprised because that's the kind of lie that like, if I came up with that and I was like, I'm creating this lie. The horse got split in half and he came up with DNA. That's like, be like yeah. no, no one's going to believe that. To dream so if that man. had been a lie, you would have like outthought me mm. and I would have been sad about my own existence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but one more thing I thought was cool that somebody said that they thought of in a dream. I don't really believe any of these that much, but uh, Tom, Albert Einstein said that he thought of relativity because he had a dream where he was watching cows jump over a fence. And a farmer was on the other side. And after the cows jumped over the fence, he went to talk to the farmer. And the farm, and he said, all the cows jumped over the fence at the same time. And the farmer said, ah, I saw all the cows jump over the fence one by one. And then he woke up and he had relativity in his brain. Also sounds I mean, fake, though. inspired. By, <laughs> yeah. I could see that. I could, like, you know, you're playing around with ideas and you're like, oh, what if? Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I'm not, like, I'm much more... Uh, sympathetic to believing Einstein's bullshit than <laughs> Next up, the fact off. But first, a word from our sponsors. SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Rocket Money. If I asked you how many subscription services you had, you think you could name them all? And before you just start naming streaming apps, remember that basically everything has a subscription these days. Video games, dating apps, food delivery apps. It's a subscription service world. We're just living in it. And with all of these subscriptions, it can feel like money is just flying out of your account. And that, frankly, sucks. But Rocket Money can help. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money can help you negotiate to lower some bills for you by up to 20%. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in total canceled subscriptions. Escape from the planet of the subscription services and stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash tangents. That's rocketmoney.com slash tangents. Rocketmoney.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S.
Welcome back. The Hank Buck totals are Sam. You have nothing because you gave away one of your points. That's fine. You also I'm fine with that. Gave me an extra one along with Sari. Yeah. I feel like you're just you're I mean, spreading the love around. Uh, it's lonely at the top. I need somebody <laughs> to catch up to me. <laughs> uh, Stefan, you got one point. Sari, you got one point. I'm at mm-hmm. three. Oh God, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, you gave me two. Yeah, oh, no. it was a good poll. Yeah, I, I, I defend that choice, Man, even though it sets me farther behind. I guess the, I the do biggest too. problem is that I'm never not bringing the guitar to a oh, science no. couch poem <laughs> ever again. Now, get ready for the fact off. Two of our panelists bring science facts to present to the others in an attempt to blow their minds. We, each, me and Sam, have a Hank Buck to award the fact that we like the most. And we're going to choose who goes first by the person who dreamed most recently, by which I mean the person who woke up last. Ooh. Oh, uh, I set my alarm for 6.50 because I had to wake up and start editing the script. <laughs> oh, yeah, dedication. Uh, I got up yeah. at 8.26. Wow. Nice. All right, so so Stefan dreamed most recently and Ooh. we'll go first. Yeah. Mm. Still tired, though. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got a little part in your brain called the basal ganglia. Of course which I do. Is I yeah, do we not. assume. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, no, of course. But that's associated with a variety of things like controlling voluntary movements and um and like selecting an action out of multiple possible actions to take. Mm. But damage to both sides of the basal ganglia can cause a thing called auto activation deficit, which is like intense apathy and an absence of self-initiated behavior. Mm-hmm. So like you don't have thoughts yourself, but if if I like asked you a question or asked you to like go do something, like you're perfectly functional and able to do that. They described it as like total mental blank, no thoughts except when an external stimulus or interrogator provokes. Ooh, hmm. that sounds very it's bad. Sound, yeah, it does not sound pleasant. But it, and it mostly just happens when there's like brain damage in some way, like uh, lack of oxygen or blood flow mm-hmm. or from surgery um, causing damage to that area. But so the people who have this are sort of failing to be able to trigger thoughts and actions when it's internally motivated. And because everything that's happening during sleep is internal, these researchers wanted to see if people with that syndrome still experienced dreams. Mm. Um, so they had 13 patients who have the syndrome and 13 who didn't. And they observed them over a couple nights to see what was going on. So they re- monitored them over two nights, rep- like videotaping EEG. They like put belts around them to measure their like breathing, nasal pressure, had microphones, like all kinds of stuff. And then on the second night, they woke them up during non-REM sleep and during REM sleep. And then like, I think they also had them keep like a dream journal outside of those two nights to Mm -hmm. like get sort of a baseline or something. But so it turned out that 12 out of the 13 people without the condition had mental activity when they were awakened from REM sleep, but only four out of the 13 did who have mm. the the brain damage. So they so some of them still had dreams, but the ones who did they were shorter and less bizarre. Hmm. Huh. They had like a team of people like independently blindly like assessing right. the dream journals. <laughs> the bizarreness. Yeah, the bizarreness <laughs> of the dreams. And that there's not like as much emotional or like narrative content to it. Mm-hmm. This result seems to support I guess there's like multiple ideas as we've talked about like we have we know very little about sleep and dreams and things like that um and brains there's a couple ideas about how dreams form or like mm-hmm. where they start it was described as sort of bottom up or top down um and so like when we're 
imagining things when we're awake, that's top down where you have like thoughts that are in your higher level thinking areas. And then those stimulate feelings in the more like primitive or brainstemmy regions. Mm-hmm. Um, I say primitive with quotes. Yeah. And that sort of like goes with like f- how Freud would view dreams, uh, like sort of revealing your higher thoughts or your subconscious thoughts mm-hmm. um, in the dream. But the, but this these results would suggest that it's more bottom up that like there are areas in the brainstem that are initiating REM sleep and those may also be creating these like sensory perceptions and then your higher level brain is sort of interpreting that and creating right. narratives around it. So even with this brain damage, they can still have dreams, but because they don't have the higher level or access to the higher level thinking, they can't have like the full dreaming experience, I guess. That's fascinating to use, you know, using damage mm-hmm. that has already happened to patients to be like, well, we can discover a little bit about this tremendous mystery. Yeah, because like a lot of the ways that we understand how things work in our body is by looking at what happens when they break. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. so with and with the brain, it's very difficult to do that because everything is so vital. But when it's something small like this, how does one small change in biology mm-hmm. affect how you process whole mm-hmm. things and, and dream and uh, total mental blank. Yeah. Um Sad. yeah. But cool that we get an insight into some of how dreaming is working because like that's exactly when we say like this it's a mystery but like knowing some level of like where like how we we are doing this interpretation and that we are being sort of fed signals mm-hmm. to create a narrative around mm-hmm. i feel like that's only in the last like 30 years that we've, we've kind of gotten our head around that and yeah. now it seems pretty understood mm-hmm. that this is this is what dreams are made of Mm-hmm. Some people, I, <laughs> oh God, <laughs> that some people think that there's no reason that we dream; that it's just like biochemical side effect of mm-hmm. like what happens in our brains when we're sleeping, and that I hate. I hate that. That seems thought. completely possible. It to seems me. possible. That seems very, yeah. yeah. That's but how everything else in your body I don't works. Like it. Chance. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I, I feel okay about that with food, where it's just like this is a, a biochemical side effect of needing to be alive. Like, yeah, I have to take energy into me, and like having a dream is just a biological side effect of yeah, but of when, like with the things that my brain is doing to do its work. When it's a process that's happening in the the seat of consciousness, yeah, it feels. Like it should at least be influenced by that. Yeah, get used to it, and buddy. Like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sari, you dreamed least recently. recently. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so long ago. Um, okay. So narcolepsy is a really unique and intense sleep disorder. If you haven't heard of it before, the main symptoms are too much sleepiness and something called cataplexy, which is like muscle weakness that gets triggered when you experience intense excitement or other strong emotions Mm. like fear or laughter or anything that's intense. Um, And so narcolepsy was first described in medical literature in Germany and France around the 1870s and 1880s, but the definition was really hand-wavy and incomplete. Mm. As far as I can tell, Part of the problem was not having, like, a group of people to study. It was just, like, there's this person who falls asleep. Uh, What do we do with that? (laughs) And there wasn't a good enough understanding of the nervous system and daytime sleepiness and stuff, so it wasn't pinpointed to a particular phenomenon. And the research was sort of frozen for a century until the 1970s when Dr. William DeMent and Dr. Christian Guillemineau were studying sleep and specifically narcolepsy at Stanford. And they started working with an animal model 
to do this. And when I think of animal models, like my brain jumps to mice or rats mm -hmm. or killifish or maybe like monkeys if you're trying mm -hmm. to approach something human. But the key to understanding narcolepsy is having an animal that demonstrates clear emotions because those are what trigger cataplexy. What mm. animal and demonstrates emotions? Do you want to guess? Dolphins? No. Dogs. Dogs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how the Stanford canine narcolepsy colony was oh, born. No. And so, oh, no. <laughs> the Stanford sleepy dogs. Yeah, the sleepy dogs. <laughs> uh, so basically, Dement was going around and like trying to find people with narcolepsy. And someone, as, as far as I can tell, the story was like someone said that their poodle had narcolepsy. Hey, I got a sleepy like, dog. Yeah, I got a sleepy dog. Want to look at this sleepy dog? Um, and then... I, cl I clap my hands at its face and it falls over. <laughs> or like when they get excited, like it's time to for food and they get really excited and they start wagging their tails and then just... They like, get excited all the time. I know. <laughs> it's so sad. Um, and so like that happened and then soon after they found some Dobermans that were narcoleptic mm. and <sighs> when they bred these Dobermans together... I don't think it was Doberman plus Poodle, but they noticed that narcolepsy was hereditary. It was autosomal recessive. So both parents had to be narcoleptic for the puppies to be narcoleptic. Mm -hmm. But from breeding them uh, from around 1976 to 1995, nearly 500 narcoleptic dogs that were mostly Dobermans were raised to study narcolepsy. And it's just like very cool that they had all these dogs to do this with and to give sort of a highlight reel. Um, this is when Dr. Emmanuel Mignot came into the picture, and through lots of studies on these dogs, the team found the key hormone involved in narcolepsy called orexin or hypocretin, plus genes in dogs and then genes in humans that are linked to the disorder. Mm. At this point, we've learned even more, like how narcolepsy is probably an autoimmune disorder oh, in humans. Oh, so there's a region of the brain that produces compounds like orexin and your body's attacking that region of the brain so you're not producing enough to mm -hmm. be able to stay wakeful enough. Um, mm. So, like, all very complicated, all very interesting. But to return to the dogs, it's a happy story, which I also really liked, which you don't always hear in animal mm, testing. Oh, no, never. Uh, <laughs> these researchers, like, loved the dogs, and they took really good care of them, and they were just, like, observing them. But they all had names. They were all treated really well. And after the experiments, they were all pretty much adopted, as far as oh. I can tell. Oh. And Dr. Minot is still involved in narcolepsy research and treatment today with a narcoleptic chihuahua named Watson oh. by his side. <laughs> uh, and he he has all these really nice quotes about like learning from having adopted several narcoleptic dogs over the course of his research how to empathize better with patients because he can see how his dog gets really excited to play or really excited to have food. And then all of a sudden has a, a cataplexy yeah. episode um, and it interrupts their life and so it's given him a lot of insight into how to help patients especially kids with narcolepsy mm, who yeah. just don't know how to handle it because yeah, when you're seeing the, the kid you can be like look i know what you're going through my chihuahua's got narcolepsy <laughs> <laughs> that's it I stand by my guess. I think dolphins have emotions. Dogs was a more obvious. Made of plastic. <laughs> yeah. You can't tell what they're thinking ever. <laughs> they smile. They're always they smiling. Always smile. <laughs> That's the thing about dolphins. Yeah, they they're look always happy even when they're happy. Not. <laughs> yes, always happy dolphins. Mm -hmm. It's a band. Uh, always happy. Yeah. Always happy dolphins. Yeah. I love them. Yeah. No, I hate you guys. <laughs> if you yeah. just said like always dolphins, that would sound like more like a band name for some right, reason. Yeah, Ooh. always dolphins. It's, it's like dragons. Imagine Dragons. Oh, yeah, sure. that's our Imagine Dragons cover band. Always dolphins. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know any Imagine Dragons songs. Bring I mean, I know I know. That's yeah. an Imagine Dragons song? I think so. I must just not know that it's Imagine yeah. Dragons. Because before music starts, it doesn't say, we're Imagine Dragons. But it should. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot of, like... At the end, it hip, does. Hip-hop often, they That's do true. that. Jason Derulo, he puts it in all of Jason his Jason Derulo. J- yeah, I love that. <laughs> anyway, Jason that's not going in the... Oh, shoot. It's not going in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's a Jason Derulo tangent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sam. <laughs> okay, I accept my fate. <laughs> <laughs> so we have Stefan with auto-activation deficit uh, sufferers being used to understand dreams better. And from Sari, narcolepsy research being done with sleepy dogs at Stanford. Oh, gosh. Happy sleepy dogs. Happy sleepy mm-hmm. dogs. Yeah. Um, you had to find a happy animal. I don't know. Yeah. I'm I'm going with Stefan. I think sorry. I might too. Whoa! <laughs> he said he said in the seat of consciousness. <laughs> that blew my mind. Yes. Yes. The Iron Throne of Consciousness. I'm gonna say that every time. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you can think about dogs where dogs sit in your consciousness and in your heart. Terry, it's too late already. I know. (laughs) (laughs) And now it's time for Ask the Science Couch. We had so many this week. People are very curious about sleep, uh, where we ask listener questions to our couch of finely honed scientific minds. This week's going to be read by Stefan at L. Hodnafield and at Cinnamon Pizza 8 ask, are there genetic factors that cause people to sleep better than others? Are there genetic factors that cause people to want cinnamon pizza right now? Yeah, I think that would be good. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, it's whatever makes you want sugar. Because I have that one. I don't know about cinnamon pizza. It would be the crust, maybe. It would be cinnamon. Yeah. Okay. Recently on the SciShow YouTube channel, we talked about uh, night owls versus... Uh, morning larks, mm. uh, morning people, and chronotypes, and like how that affects, uh, and that's like a genetic thing that affects when you like to sleep. But because society is set up for morning people mm-hmm. more so than for night owls, night owls tend to have worse sleep. Yeah. So I guess that's kind, kind of, of a genetic yeah. thing that leads to that. But it's well, also I societal. There's also, I also there's also like insomnia probably also mm-hmm. ha- like I oh, would not be yeah. surprised that if, if insomnia had genetic factors. But I don't know that for sure. But I'm saying ninety percent. I bet. Yeah. I'd go. I'd 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 do a I'd do a double down on that. Can I bet some? <laughs> Can you some bet some bucks? <laughs> <laughs> the, the science catch is now gambling. Uh, <laughs> it's hard to look up specific genetic mutations that cause sure. these things because, like we mentioned, maybe in the definition section that, like, there's so many things that influence sleep. So regarding like chronotypes and things like that, there are things. There's advanced sleep phase syndrome, which are morning. Larks, mm-hmm. I guess, people who go to bed very early and then wake up early. And then there's delayed sleep phase syndrome, which is late bedtime, late mm-hmm. wake time. So do you, some people don't have one or the other, though. Do right. They? Most yeah. people are in the middle. Of the okay. Most okay. people are in the middle, but then they're skewed to either right. side. Um, and I think with the DSPS, so the late the late night owls, there's a mutation in a gene called CRY1, which, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. how I feel maybe sometimes. <laughs> um, and it encodes a protein that is involved in circadian rhythm proteins like CLOCK, uh, which is a very good name. Oh, good name, name, name of a protein? Clock? CLOCK, yeah. It's a gene. Uh, it's all caps. It's not a gene. <laughs> Probably a protein. I just Googled clock, which is not helpful. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Usually. What does clock do? 
Uh, I think it just is part of like the circadian pacemaker mm-hmm. type stuff. So like your cells have internal clocks and and things that are keeping time. And so it is involved in regulating that. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a clock inside of you, many of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So cry one normally suppresses circadian rhythm stuff. Mm. Uh, and so the mutation causes it to suppress clock and other related mm. proteins even more, which means that they let that led to later bedtime. So probably like you're more shifted from like matching your bodily cycle to the sun okay. um, mm, and, right. and like a more average daytime cycle and mm-hmm. you're pushed later. So what I found was interesting is there are studies about naturally short sleepers that mm. has to do with orexin, which is the hormone I mentioned earlier that right, has yeah. to do is involved in narcolepsy. But like orexin is linked to wakefulness. So it's something that your body produces to help you stay awake. Can I take a pill of it? <laughs> what I've read about narcolepsy is that we don't have a like a chemical mm-hmm. or a prescription that someone can take to help with narcolepsy. Mm. So we haven't found a way to bottle mm. up orexin in a in a way that your body can biologically process or in a meaningful hmm. amount. Um, so no, but there is a gene called DEC2. So DEC2 is a repressor for orexin expression normally. So like it helps you fall asleep. And so when it's broken, it results in increased expression. And so hmm. you're awake more. And so people who sleep like four hours a night and are wake up perfectly fine. A lot of them have been found with this particular gene mutation that has made it like their bodies are just naturally more wakeful and they feel rested after that period of time, which is also part of the mystery of sleep because they mm. can sleep for if, fewer if hours. someone can do it, why can't everyone do it? <laughs> right. Yeah. Seems like this would confer an advantage. Mm-hmm. And they do not eventually have necessarily like drawbacks from not sleeping no. Okay. So like there's an interview with one person. Yeah. Who just like, I wake up at 4 a.m. and I go for, I like use that time to read or go for a run. And then I like love to start my day before everyone else. And they're completely rested. That'd be great. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you want to ask the Science Couch your questions, you can follow us on Twitter at SciShowTangents, where we will tweet about topics for upcoming episodes every week. Thank you to at Katie doesn't FTBA at Color Me Trash 2 and at Bloody Lemonade and everybody else who tweeted us your questions. We got like 124. Thank you. Yes, that was great. Final Hank Buck scores. Sarah, you have one. Sam, you have a negative one. Perfect. Stefan came back <sighs> with three tying me up for Ooh, the lead. I'm on top of the world. If you like this show and you want to help us out, that's really easy to do. You can leave us a review wherever you listen. That helps us know what you like about the show and other people get to see that too. Second, you can tweet about your favorite moment from this episode. And finally, if you want to show your love for tangents, just tell people about us. Thank you for joining us. I have been Hank Green. I have been Sari Riley. I have been Stefan Chin. And I have been Sam Schultz. SciShow Tangents is a co-production of Complexly and WNYC Studios. It's created by all of us and produced by Sam Schultz and Caitlin Hoffmeister. Our sound design is by Joseph Tuna Medish. Our social media organizer is Victoria Bongiorno, and we couldn't make any of this stuff without our patrons on Patreon. Thank you. And remember, the mind is not a vessel to be filled but a fire to be lighted. But one more thing. 
There's a condition called sleeping butt syndrome or dormant butt syndrome that. that is usually caused by I get that. sitting too much, <laughs> sleeping curled up like a baby, or exercising wrong. It's where your butt muscles are too weak, so your other muscles overexert. Oh, I definitely mm. don't have that. <laughs> <laughs> strong butt stuff. I, I just think my butt muscles are so strong that they just squeeze all the veins and then there's no circulation and it falls asleep. Wow, your butt muscles are squeezing you know? their, their food out. Interesting. Maybe your whole body is just controlled by your butt. <gasps> it's like forcing your other muscles to do stuff like the opposite of that. That's what I call a basal ganglia. <laughs> <laughs> butt brain. Butt brain. <laughs> yeah, you're a butt brain. 